If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. We had a, um, a reading from Philippians 2 that, to be honest, I'm not going to refer to. <laughs> or maybe only in a passing way. But that, that passage from Ephesians 2 just sums up something of the favour of God. Something of, of grace. And that should be our focus this morning. Now, I don't know whether, well, you will have had that phrase, do us a favour. And I don't know in different kinds of ways that you might have been a recipient of what you consider to be a favour. You might have been at Tesco's or wherever, and you're queued up there, and then somebody comes along and opens up a new till, and you think, they noticed me. It's not really you, but hey, it just feels like somebody's doing you a favour. Sometimes it's worth reflecting on when we get the benefit from knowing someone in authority. My daughter, my eldest one, just finished, well, a little while ago, she finished at Cardiff University, and part of what she did when she was down there was that she worked at the Millennium Stadium. And uh, as a student working at the stadium, she got access to various gigs, various uh, sporting events. And because she knew the guy who was in charge of those who worked in the stadium, she get maybe, I think, she got a bit of pref- preferential treatment. She got a few favours because she knew somebody in authority. And I think when you look in the scriptures, the name of that particular king... King Xerxes is one whom a man of authority and a man of power that it did you good to be on the right side of. Just a a couple of verses from Esther where King Xerxes uh, is read about. 
talks about the king was attracted to Esther more than to any of the other women. And she won his favour and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And the king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all his nobles and officials. He proclaimed a holiday throughout the provinces and distributed gifts with royal liberality. The favour of the king was upon Esther and all those benefits rolled from it. Yet, even though she had the favour of the king, she was aware of her precarious position. As we know something of that story and how she was encouraged by her uncle Mordecai to go to the king. And chapter 5 says this, On the third day Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. And the king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall, facing the entrance. Then Queen Esther, she was then, approaches. And when he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, with her heart pounding as to whether or not she would have the favour of the king. That's my bit in brackets, by the way. He was pleased with her and held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Then the king asked, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given you. What a blessing to Esther that she had the favour of the king but a favour that was not presumed. And I want us to ponder just a little bit, although it's only part of what I want to share this morning, on the favour of God to humankind and something of the consequences of that. It's not long gone, it's Christmas. And we had that reading from Luke chapter 2. Just remind you of a few of those verses. The angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favour rests. And I was pondering on this word grace. And as good sound evangelicals, if somebody says to you, do you understand what grace is? You'll say, yeah, I know what grace is. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. And you're getting the mnemonic out of the way and you've got grace sus, but you haven't. And I haven't. And as well as thinking of the phrase, the grace of God, I want us to use that phrase almost interchangeably, the favour of God. And if you were to think what it means to have the favour of God upon you, because that is the place in which we stand. And we can't really get our heads 
around what the favour of God means to us. And I don't think we're ever meant to really get our heads around what the favour of God should mean and should benefit us and the world. 1 Peter chapter 1, picking up verse 10 and then looking at verse 12. Peter writes, somebody who walked with Jesus, who knew firsthand something of that expression of the grace of God, says this, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with earnest care. And then in verse 12, even angels long to stoop and intently look into these things. You know, how ridiculous that humankind should be recipients of the favour of God. From a creator to those he created. How ridiculous to think of the grace and the favour coming from God to those who are the heart of their being really have got such an imperfection and such a mismatch. And yet God pours his favour towards us and towards his world. But nevertheless it's true. It is true that we and the world are recipients of the favour of God. The favour of God resting on humankind in particular in the coming of God the Son. Now I know you know the Psalms. And I know you know that within the Psalms there is that little word Selah from time to time. A little bit of a punctuation almost. People aren't that sure what it means but the the tendency is to think when you see that word Selah it means stop, think and respond to what you've just heard. When we ponder on the enormity of the grace and the favour of God to us, that word Selah can resonate within our spirits. The Spirit of God is saying to us, just stop. In your familiarity with grace, just stop and ponder. Now we read at the beginning of John's Gospel. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, full of the favour of God and truth. And from the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Just as the angels announced the grace and favour of God was being displayed and mediated through Jesus... The coming of Jesus was the proof of God's favour. And John says, we beheld him as he walked amongst us, displaying 
the favour of God. All because of the grace of God through Jesus Christ. What an abundance we have. That trivial example of the favour we think when the new checkout opens and the little race in our hearts. How it should throb at the depths of our being when we ponder on the favour of God that is ours through the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we think about that grace, I'm just going to put up just just some of the benefits of that grace that comes to us. And I'm not here to expound these. Sometimes some scriptures don't need expounding. They just need to speak for themselves. And we can get wearied with many words. When all we need to do is just look on what God says about his grace. We are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Made alive. Even when we were dead in transgressions. It is because of the favour of God that we've been saved. All that God shows us is love and God shows us his favour. Through whom? Through the Lord Jesus. We have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This grace, you know, we don't go in and out of it. We're not in the grace of God one day and not in the grace of God the next day. We don't sit here warmed by the thought of the grace of God and then tomorrow morning in the office somehow we're outside of the grace of God. We stand in the grace of God. Each time and for all time we stand in the grace of God. And the word rich that's there in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. You know, or you're becoming aware, becoming acquainted. I mean, I know 1 plus 1 is 2. Unless I've subtly changed some of the basic laws of mathematics. I know that. I learned that at Tunstead. And that's with me. But when we talk here about the knowing of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ... We're beginning to understand it, aren't we? Almost eternity isn't long enough to fully understand the favour and the depth of the knowledge of God. But we're beginning to understand the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And we know we don't get confused over terms about poverty and riches. We're not talking about our bank accounts. We're talking about the shalom of God in our hearts. We're talking about Him bringing us into His kingdom, bringing us into a broad place, delivering us out of darkness, bringing us into light, the riches of knowledge of God that comes because of His grace and His favour upon us.
Grace produces results. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, bought back. We were rubbish, but we're loved by God and redeemed and transformed. And it's out of his grace that he's done that. In accordance with the riches of God's grace. 2 Thessalonians 2.16 May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Death is a painful thing to face. There are many who know great grief and great anguish and we've all been there to a greater or lesser extent. We've known loss that we would rather not have known. But that has come. That is as much a part of life as it is part of death. But by his favour... By the favour of God, he has given us eternal encouragement and a good hope. And we know the difference between going to a funeral of those who know the Lord Jesus. And those as we see them, it's not our place to judge. But as we see them, we don't have that same confidence. But by his grace, the hope we are given for eternity... And it's a throne of grace we can approach with confidence as you brought your request this morning. To find grace to help us in our time of need. Only God knows what's in your heart as a need this morning. But you can know his favour to help in that time of need. The consequences of the grace of God. Does us good to meditate on those. But as well as meditating on the jewels that are there, what is there is the sense that grace produces, has produced results. Grace is an active thing that does something. There's evidence of the grace of God. In the life of Jesus. When you saw and you read about him living his life as he sought the lost. As John and the disciples lived with him. Just consider the blessings that they received as a result of the favour of Jesus. Can you imagine what it would have been like just being with Jesus as a person? As they saw the the impact of his call to come as the Messiah. As they listened to his teaching. John says, from the fullness of his grace we've received a blessing upon blessing. Because of the grace of God that's in Jesus we've received all these kinds of things. As they saw him fulfill that anointed ministry. As they watched his relationship with God the Father. As they were there in his passion, seeing his death. 
His resurrection, his ascension, the coming of the Spirit. What a journey that John and the disciples experienced. Because of the fullness of grace that was flowing out of Jesus amongst them. But then in the early church, there was evidence of the grace of God. The believers, this is Acts chapter 4, 32, 33. The believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace was upon them all. The favour of God was on the church, and the favour of God is on this church. The favour of God continues on his church, and there's an evidence of it. And in the early church, you saw both the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit were in abundance. The power of God to heal. The power of God that testified to the resurrection of Jesus. And the power of God that opened people's hands and opened people's homes. That drew them to share what in a sense were theirs. That verse from 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. That you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. It was part of Paul's encouragement to the church at Corinth to give more. Responding to the need at the church in Jerusalem. Paul was saying grace has been poured upon you. Now show grace to others. The grace of God, the favour of God that they received meant that they could no more be insular than God. They had to be open-handed because that's how God is. God is open-handed in the demonstration of giving his son for the world. How much more open-handed could God be because of his favour? And Paul was saying, be like that as the church. And we see that in the early church. That the favour of God was being demonstrated. So I would say, what about us? How does all this affect us? And I was interested in something that that Burrell said earlier. And it touched a little bit on some of the things I just want to say here. Grace and favour to each other. As we've received, so we give. And when you think about some of the the benefits of the grace of God that we individually claim to receive from God, these should be demonstrated to each other. We should show grace and favour to each other. Burrell was asking us to think about someone that maybe we're not too keen on and ask God's blessing on them and to, maybe to think about something positive about them to pray for them but to show grace and favour to each other by acts of kindness by forgiveness by a phrase that I think you know sometimes when you preach those of you share things you'll, something will just hit you and you think maybe in everything that I'm saying this is a kernel for somebody 
that's quite crucial. That phrase about redeeming relationships. Grace can redeem relationships. What did God do? God, when he saw the need of this world, he showed this world his favour. And that's why, and that's how we can redeem relationships. By taking the initiative and showing grace and favour within relationships that might be broken. You know, if you look at some of those words in those scripture passages that were all sort of banged up on the screen. We talk about being justified. That's all part of the benefit of the grace of God is being justified. Just as if we've never sinned. We want to try and be a little bit sort of brief about that word. We're saying to somebody, I completely forgive you and I take away any kind of claim I've got on you. I'm treating you now as if you've never made that mistake. That's what grace does to us. And as I say this, I feel this is a hard thing to say or a hard thing for somebody to hear. But God might be saying to somebody, that's how you've got to treat another person who has hurt you and damaged you so much. And in a measure I feel a pain in how I'm saying that because for you to be able to say that to somebody else will call you, cost you and it will cause you pain. But God is saying relationships can be redeemed and one way it can be redeemed and part of that step is for you to forgive somebody so completely that you're saying to them, I'm going to treat you as if you've never done that to me. And you can only do that by the grace of God working it in you and the Spirit of God changing your heart within you. But if you line yourself up with God's Word and say, I want to do that, however hard it is, then you can see relationships being redeemed. Those verses talked about forgiveness. I've mentioned that already. Verses talked about buying back. You know when you redeem something, you set something free. Freedom comes with redemption. Something that you've put into the pawnbrokers and it's bought back and it's, it's now free. A slave that was a slave is redeemed. He's no longer bound anymore. And you just meditate on those kind of pictures when you think of relationships and what it can do within communities when communities become those of redeemed relationships. Love keeps no record of when it has been wronged. Colossians 3, verses 12 to 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You know, when the favour of God is on you as an individual, as a church, as a community, anything is possible. 
when the grace of God was upon Jesus, the outstanding happened. We have that beautiful picture, don't we, at the baptism of Jesus. You get that profound insight into the favour of God the Father that was upon the Son. When the voice came from heaven. We get that insight into the relationship that God the Father and God the Son have. When the Father said, you are my Son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. You know, we all need the, the grace and the favour of God as we face challenges. Whether it be like the Corinthians in their giving. Whether it be like the persecuted church that can stand in hope because of the grace and the favour of God. Or whether it's times of personal weakness and bewilderment. We can stand because of the grace of God. Personal weakness and bewilderment can be maybe with Paul an unknown and can cover all sorts of things. But Paul could write in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. So whatever you're facing, whatever challenge God is putting before you, his grace is sufficient. His grace that you can receive And his grace that you can share. And so, I don't know whether at the end of your service you share the grace or not. Is that your your practice? Well, when that time comes, we won't do it yet. But when that time comes that we say the grace. I must admit sometimes I'm a bit guilty of using the grace to find out who's there. (laughs) You know, you turn around and you think, oh, there, oh, there. And you... I usually sit near the front at Skipton. And I sadly say it can be said as tritely as sometimes people accuse those with a formal liturgy at going through the motions. But when I say the grace today, when you say the grace today, let's bless each other, asking that each of us would know the grace, love, and fellowship that's found in God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the things that you help us to understand. And we thank you for reminders of some truths that we think we've already got a handle on. And you're saying to us, there's still more. There's still more for you to understand of what it means to be under the favour of God. 
And as we understand what it, what it means, just a little bit more, and they're awestruck once again that we are recipients of the grace and favour of God. Please help us to be able to show something of the grace that you have given to us, to others that we meet. And for those of us who've got hard choices to make and hard challenges to face, we pray for the courage to do what we now know we have to do. Confident that as we are obedient to you, then so much can be accomplished. And as we move in grace and we move in a place of favour, astound us as to what can be. So rest your blessing upon us as we continue together. In the name of Jesus. Amen.